the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome to part two of this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. Joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome back. Always good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican, Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome back to you as well. Thank you, Tom. And uh, last but not least, uh, joining us for this week's edition and next week's uh, East Village Magazine Consulting Editor Jan Worth-Nelson. Jan, welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be here with you guys. And let's see, where did I leave up? Oh, here we go. We'll continue with stuff from Lansing. Any public Uh, Any publicly funded entity in Michigan, including local school districts and universities, would be prohibited from requiring a COVID-19 vaccination under a controversial bill passed Wednesday in uh, the state house. The measure, House Bill 4667, attempts to ban government-sanctioned vaccine passports, an effort supporters say limits state access to confidential health information. Uh, but opponents note the measure uh, touted by pandemic conspiracy theorists is unnecessary and will likely lead to uh, unanticipated negative consequences. How would vaccination passports differ from the certificates that are given to people who have been vaccinated? I, I don't know. I, mean, I, I don't, I suppose I don't those think there is a difference. Yeah, I got, the we got our vaccination. We got those little cards. <clears throat> Although yeah, I, I've I, seen I, stories that I've seen stories that people are some people are are uh, counterfeiting those things and 
making them available for those who don't want to get vaccinations. So maybe if there was a passport that was more of an official document, I don't know if it would make much difference in the long run. Um, but but we do have official documents. They're, they're, they're records, or they're public records, as a matter of fact, held by the, the state health department and the local health department. They all have that information. Well, but, you know, I was, it, there given, may be requirements. I was given a little certificate that was signed by the the person or persons who gave me the shot since I had two doses of the Pfizer. Yes. And and yeah. I have this little card I carry around in my wallet that says I've been vaccinated. How, what what would a a passport do more than that? I don't know. Those, yeah. those cards would be are really easy to to uh, duplicate. I'm sure to replicate those. I've got one too, and I love it. It's like a historical document, <laughs> but but they're pretty they're they're pretty easy to replicate. I would think. Yeah, and, and, and there is kind of a a business where people are doing that to some degree. I don't know how big a deal it is, but I, at least I've I've read that there are some people who are are, are making those available. I guess well, it's I human know. nature that uh, wherever there's an opportunity for a scam, there's yeah. somebody's going to take it. It's True. Just, boy, this is, doesn't feel like it's brought us together very much, does it, this whole thing? That's really, you know, that's really I mean, strange. I mean, this, one of the strangest historical pieces here is that how divisive the pandemic has been. It, I'm not aware that uh, certainly wasn't the case with the polio vaccine, or I don't think it was that, that divisive. Or even, or even September 11th. I know. Or, yeah. or, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like things have somehow just at at the core deteriorated in our uh, in our community and our communal values since the polio vaccine or nine eleven for sure. But then it was convenient nine eleven because we immediately assumed that it was outside of us, you know. That and 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 then of course we screwed that up because we picked the wrong villain. We had the wrong villain on that to start with, right? Uh, but it was easier to bring everybody together than, I guess, because we could say it's it's them, not us, as I think Henry talked about earlier. So yeah, man. but in this particular you know. situation, it it seems like something that threatens everyone, right? Exactly, Tom. would bring everyone together, and for some reason, yeah. we seem to have lost the ability to um to to really consider and accept things that unite us yeah yeah and we've, assu- we've assumed so much to become partisan i mean there were times when you would walk around and assumed if somebody was wearing a mask they were a democrat if they weren't they were a republican i mean that's an exaggeration but there's a lot of truth to that well, I remember a comedian that used to say, you know, whenever he was going through the grocery store checkout line and they asked him paper or plastic, he thought to himself, why don't you just ask me if I'm Republican or Democrat? God, um, isn't that crazy? But, but, but masks have become that. You know, if you want to know who the Democrats are in a crowd, look for the masks. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and that just seems um, odd to me. It it's, seems like, you know, this is something that attacks anyone, regardless of political affiliation, gender, sexual preference, uh, you know, ethnicity. 
you know, this is a threat against humans. You would yeah, the, think. the virus doesn't respect parties, party lines, or, or geographical lines either. <clears throat> yeah, I heard uh, arguments by some Republicans on what a um, an identification card, a COVID identification card, would do for you. It would restrain you from it would uh, from consideration for special. Um, for consideration on a certain specifications in business and government and so on and so forth. The, the system could use that against you one way or the other, depending on what side the system held, what view it, it held. You mean if you it was a very good argument. Uh, I mean, it was a very compelling argument to listen to. But, uh, but there are certain things that we need to overlook when it comes to survival of the species. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, this is an old thing to say, but, like, I, I, I really do feel like we have to blame Trump for a lot of this because from the beginning, Trump made it into an us-versus-them kind of thing instead of let's bring the country together around this, you know? I mean, those, those six or eight months, uh, the first six or eight months sort of sealed it as as either you believe Trump or you don't, and he was, you know, and if you and if and if you follow Trump, then you're not then you're not, then you're not going to take this seriously. I, I mean, it's an old boring thing to say about it now because it's over and done with in a way. But that that the influence that he had on the country in the in the six first early months of the pandemic, in my view, were just atrocious. It was awful. Yeah, and. No, and I think it's set the pad for later. I mean, you, you still see the, the same partisan divisions about who takes it seriously and who doesn't. And uh, as I say, as, as far as I know, I, I suspect that's unique among responses to, to disasters like this. Well, you know, back in uh, the when the, in the early days of AIDS, Ronald Reagan was notoriously resistant to taking that's it seriously. True. Yeah, that's right. But, but again, that didn't that affected a, 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 um, a certain. Uh, part of the population, it, it was uh, regarded as a disease of gay men initially, even though it did go beyond, somewhat beyond that. But mm -hmm. um, this was different. And yeah, um, but you, you know, one of the things that's interesting for all the trickle down talk that occurred during the Reagan administration, science denying didn't trickle down. Right. That's true. I mean, Dr. Fauci, you know, his early years of being a hero started during the AIDS stuff and his work with AIDS. Um, and I just, I find it so heart heartbreaking that now he's being made yet again a, a, a villain for, I don't know, I don't understand. I don't understand for what reason. This guy, I mean, this guy was a hero back in the AIDS time for his yeah. work. Yeah. I don't get it. Well, let me let me see if I can squeeze this in before we go to break. Uh, new bills introduced Tuesday provide Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson nearly $25 million to hire 200 new employees and pay tens of thousands 
uh, of hours of overtime in an effort to mitigate the massive need of Michiganders for an appointment at a branch office. The measures would use a portion of the billions in federal COVID-19 relief funds provided to Michigan. The proposals come as many residents are frustrated to wait weeks or months to update their driver's license, uh, vehicle registration, and complete other tasks that require going to a Secretary of State branch. Representative Stephanie Young, a Democrat from Detroit, and uh, Representative Julie Brixey, a Democrat from Meridian Township, and Benson, said the bills would create about 500,000 more appointments by September 30th. Um, and, and the larger question is, can Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson successfully transition her agency's transactions to online and by appointment only? Hmm. Well, can I, she eliminate walk-in business? I, I just renewed my tab last week. I just, I, I just signed up for it. Um, and I have an appointment on July 12th. No, I, I just renewed my tabs last week online, and I was, I was impressed by how quickly I got them. But I think it was about a week ago I, I, I went online and and paid for my tabs, and I, I received them within the week. So I, the the speed was remarkable, at least on in that. Yeah, one but in, that's where you automatically receive this. Uh, yeah. The, uh, huh. the can can we eliminate walk-in traffic from the Secretary of State's branch offices? No, I don't think so. Probably not totally. You've got to get your pictures taken, and well, no, but stuff. but you can do those functions, Henry, by appointment. Um, I'm talking oh, yeah. about people who just pull up and walk in and take a number. They don't, yeah, but they don't let you do that. They say, uh, they give you, uh, they run that whole litany of safe distancing, uh, uh, mask on and so on and so forth. Uh, once you walk up to the door. Yeah, you have to wait at the door to be brought yeah. in. You can't be brought in. Yeah like the White House. I mean, it's like the Capitol building. But that that was COVID. I thought I connected those with COVID precautions. But is there another? And they and they those are COVID precautions. The question is, is as we come out of the pandemic, uh, Michigan's Secretary of State, um, it, it appears that Jocelyn Benson is trying to um, eliminate walk-in traffic and make it all by appointment or online um, and, and believes that that's uh, ultimately going to be more efficient even though it seems to be having some hiccups getting there. Yeah, yeah but what percentage of the population have computers? I mean, what, 20%? No. 30%? Maybe? No, I, I'd say... <laughs> Computers, they're not quite universal yet, Henry, but I think most no. people have Pretty computers. Pretty close. Yeah. yeah, but most people can't use them that way. Uh, only well, see, the, the see now, now you're just making fun of me, Henry. No, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm I, kidding. I apologize. No, I'm, I'm kidding, but, Henry, about my... Uh, my awkwardness with technology but um and speaking of technology you have a break program to come up here so we got to take a short break but we'll be back with more armchair politics with uh 
Henry Hatter, Paul Rosicki, Jan Worth, Nelson, and me when uh, <laughs> after we let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You are, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. 
No, I get it, you're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week, a doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue with Armchair Politics on today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program, featuring our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Jan Worth Nelson. Um, let's see, where did, where did we... Uh, where did we leave off? Oh, I know one that I wanted to get into here is, uh, and this is still from Lansing, or no, it's uh, actually from Detroit. In the latest twist in the legal drama over the fate of Detroit's revised charter, voters in the city may yet have a chance to weigh in on whether to adopt proposed changes to the city's government uh, governing document in the upcoming august primary it will depend on what the michigan court of appeals has to say regarding the validity of the ballot proposal on tuesday the michigan supreme court halted a ruling by a wayne county circuit court judge ordering detroit's revised charter off the ballot the High Court directed the Court of Appeals to expedite its consideration of an appeal filed by the Detroit Charter Revision Commission. The Detroit Election Commission uh, certified the revised charter on May 13th for placement on the August primary ballot after Governor Gretchen Whitmer declined to approve it. Whitmer told the commission's chairwoman, Carol Weaver, in an April 30th letter that the revised charter contains substantial and extensive legal deficiencies. A review in April by Attorney General Dana Nessel's office found that the Charter Commission could still submit the revised charter to voters without the governor's approval. Should Michigan's governor, or even the legislature for that matter, have any say in cities writing their own charters? Uh, I don't think so. Those are local jurisdictions, but they better follow the state law within that. Yeah, they've got to follow the constitutional stuff. So yeah. That's, that's where the but, courts get but, involved. But, but uh, local communities are independent. Yeah, beyond, uh, they, beyond that, it should be a light touch, <clears throat> yes. I think. Yeah. Yes. That's the basis of American democracy. Yeah, that's our government. theme. <laughs> that's one of our themes yes. for today, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, it, but, it, it is. Actually. But what if, what if the cities are inept and corrupt? Then the government must stay, step in. The governor has to step in. Or the people vote the suckers assistant. out. Or well, the people vote the suckers out. You know, or the people vote them out. It's, it's that's, interesting that's, that, that structurally yeah. cities only exist by permission of the state. That's true. In fact, all local governments are creatures of the state created by state laws or constitutions in some ways. So. Counties are, <laughs> counties are uh, mandated by the state constitution, right? but cities are allowed. Huh, that's interesting. I always learn something from this show. This is, that's interesting. <laughs> and, and then a lot of states vary in terms of how they have cities, townships, villages, and other similar local governments. I and mean, the details vary all over the place. In the south, the counties are generally a lot stronger than they are here. 
in the New England, you'll find the towns and townships somewhat stronger than they are here as well. So the, the details vary uh, in terms. But 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 the bottom line is, all states create local governments, uh, and and they do, and as they see fit. So, so in terms of any charter, I mean, it couldn't go against any kind of state constitution or a state law. Um, Henry, are Apparently you still we're kind with of us? Speechless. <laughs> well, I'm listening because I think we lost Henry, but he usually oh, calls no. back if uh, <clears throat> if if we lose him, he'll he'll call back in a moment. Um. Well, the White House has issued a rare open letter to companies calling on them to treat the threat of ransomware attacks with greater urgency following back-to-back attacks by Russian hackers on key oil and food processing companies. In a memo sent out Thursday morning, the National Security Council's top cyber official, Ann Neuberger, writes to corporate executives and business leaders that the private sector needs to better understand its critical role. Can cyber attacks become as deadly as traditional warfare? Absolutely. Oh, I, yeah, and maybe more so. Yeah. You think about the damage for that one pipeline. I mean, how many bombers would it have taken to do the same thing? Uh, so, yeah, no, that's, 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 that's a very serious kind of thing. And Henry's back with us, by the way. Oh, thank you. I got dropped off. Thank you. Well, it's... Um, I, I don't know. I'm I'm wondering if uh, if the new Cold War is um, going to be played out virtually. I think so. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's entirely possible. I would think. I have these like middle of the night fears that all of these ransomware attacks are like preparation for the big one. When, you know, it's almost like the effect of a nuclear war without the bomb, where all of a sudden all the power grids are taken off simultaneously, and then, uh, you know, we're, we're screwed. We could be. I, I have the same thought. Yeah. No, I live in fear of the big lasting you know, the, the, the power flash. grids, or to consider the banking system, or things of that nature that you could shut down. When you take a look at what's happened rather easily with the uh, the meat producers and the the oil pipeline, uh, as I say, it's 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 very very frightening. I mean, if and, they and shut down the supply, if if they shut down the the food supply grid, uh, if they shut down the banking system uh, simultaneously, uh, what would what would we do? Yeah, go back to barter. And the minute so accustomed to panicking. Uh, at every little flash yeah, of light. So uh, yeah. we can't think through it. We don't stop and be cool and let our leaders that we trust work through the system. We make it worse by our comments and our distractions and our uh, disbelief, and we can never come back together again. This is part of the danger of what we face today and what it, I fear. Really and is. I think that, it Dan, really you, yeah. you and I share the same fear. Yeah. I mean, I, it, I, I feel like that's why I don't understand the resistance to this um, infrastructure proposal. Like, it feels to me like we need, like, a Marshall Plan or something. We need, like, a massive thing to, um, 
to feel that we're getting protection. I, you know, I know there are disagreements about how to pay for it and all that kind of stuff, but which is important, and that seems to be why it broke down yesterday with Capito or whatever her name is. They couldn't they couldn't agree on how to pay for the darn thing, but it it feels urgent to me, and it would be nice to feel like that urgency is shared across party lines, however they get to it. It just feels like. Uh, we need some help, you know. Uh, did you guys see any of the interviews with Chris Matthews on, about his new book where uh, people were asking him, well, what would Moynihan be doing if he was still alive or in Congress? Did anybody yeah. see any of those interviews? Yeah. Yes, I did, yeah. I, I caught and a he minute said, He, You know, he said uh, Moynihan would be standing in the halls of Congress reading lists of bridges in Republican districts that were crumbling and he would just detail it with pictures and everything you know saying like look you need help and these are the places where your constituents are in put in danger by your resistance to this vote let's say and i thought you know the 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 very real danger that we all face uh isn't being dramatized uh vividly enough i feel did anybody see the 60 Minutes program where they talked about how these these uh, hacking programs are available for sale for anybody who wanted, wants to buy them, basically, who wants to go into the hacking business? Oh, they are yeah. available. Oh, it's a very unsettling thing. Uh. But you've got fifth graders that can show you how to do it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the kids are really smart. Of course, that's what they learn. And they have great imaginations. And they don't know something can't be done. But most of us right. who are adults, we know somebody tells us it, it, it can be done. We tried that 10 years ago. But the young people with their imagination, their computers, it's really amazing. I didn't mean to change the subject, but they well, are yeah, but I, the and discussion. I have a difficult time figuring out how I got along for 40 years without all this technology. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. Everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, for, uh, let's let, let's move on here. Former President Donald Trump's preoccupation with the 2020 election was expected to take center stage Saturday uh, when he kicked off his uh, first post-presidential summer with an address to the North Carolina Republican Party. The speech, a preview of the campaign-style rallies he plans to start hosting next month, will signal uh, or signaled to what degree he intends to ignore advice from those imploring him to redirect his message toward the future. Because it was his uh, first public appearance in three months, sources close to the former president said the tack he uh, decides to take will be critical in setting the course going forward, not only for him, but for all Republicans on the ballot in 2022. Sources familiar with Trump's thinking describe him as bored by the issues his advisors wish he would focus on, from threats to America's energy infrastructure to increased inflation and other economic concerns. He is so obsessed with his unsuccessful quest for re-election, one ex-Trump official said, that he has been moving himself toward irrelevance. <laughs> Do you think former President Trump will find and adapt a new and successful rallying cry? He must. In order to survive, he, he can't use the old uh, dogma. 
he's got to find, because there are new people, there are people who honestly believe, both Democrats, Independents, and Republicans, love Trump. And he's got to try to hang on to those people. But those people are rational people. They'll only hang on so long, and then pretty soon they're, they're, they'll drift. And because things are always changing around them, he has to figure out how to work with those people that don't look like him, don't agree with him, and don't support him. He's got to do that. This is how you survive in today's America. I don't know, though, psychologically, can he do that? Because, I mean, it seemed like he is so wrapped up in the fact that he's been been treated badly, not just with the election, but over the last four years. Can he really move away from that? As I say, it's more of a psychological question than a political one, I think. Right. Um, so but, somebody but, was in Go ahead, Henry. But, you know, I think that there are people who says, now, I just heard you say, Paul, that he's been treated badly. If people recognize that and uh there's cases where he's been treated badly and and correct that he has an obligation to change and move in a different direction that he claims he was treated badly. every time somebody says something okay. negative he, he would he would yeah pull out the crime yeah now. he claims that okay i, I misquoted you i i was going to say that somebody was analyzing the applause patterns in that speech at North Carolina last weekend. And whenever he brought up, even lamely, any discussion or mention of policy issues, uh, there was, like, no interest, no applause, no cheering, anything like that. The only time the audience went, like, typically Trumpy wild was whenever he brought up the 2020 election and how the election was stolen. (laughs) So, I mean, he might... I mean, my my worry is he may fade into irrelevance, which couldn't couldn't be soon enough for my taste. But uh, but all these people that are with him, it's like you know, policy isn't fun. Conspiracy theories are fun, and yeah, uh, and good, everybody, good th- th- this group that's following along behind him are just people following the circus parade, they, and they, you know, it's fun. It's fun to do that stuff, and you don't have to worry about facts or anything. You just follow the emotion of it, uh, and the us versus them setup. So, I he may fade into irrelevance, but he's going to take a whole bunch of clowns with him that are going to affect my country. So, and it, yeah, as somebody yeah. as somebody said, it's the Trump show. I mean, I think that's really what it's yeah. been. It's it's been more more of a almost a reality TV show performance more so than a policy discussion or a political campaign for, for much of the time. Yeah, But opposing I, those policies that he had established and people were, became accustomed to are new policies which are counterproductive and are being engaged every day in this country that's moving us in a completely different direction and makes what has happened in the past irregu- uh, irrelevant. So... Um, some, somehow, in order, he's got to counter that strategy, and uh, because he that's, won't do it. That's I reality. Don't think he'll do it, though, Henry. Do you? Do you honestly but, but believe he'll what, do it? But but I, I I'm talking about what he must do. It, it's yeah. not what to me to say whether he will do that or not. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, for his so. own survival, and I, and I would say Trump was good for the country, you know. And I don't I don't abandon abandon him on uh, wanting to hang on to uh, uh, some source to the White House, you know. But I think that there's a way you do it and a way you do it successfully. 
and this is how you do it. You got to engage those dissident Democrats and those independents and those Republicans who want to see the country survive as a as a republic. And we are nowhere near that yet. His manipulation of lies seems to be working for him, even with you know with with the GOP leadership. I mean, they could have shut this boy down so many times. They had opportunities to to retrieve their policy based. Uh, structure and they went with them every time. They've gone with them every time. So I, I, I don't. If if you're saying that he's going to need to turn more towards the policy arguments, um, I don't think he will. And I sadly feel like the Republican leadership nationally is sticking with the ignorance and the lies, and it's working. And it's working for them. So well, Mitch McConnell and and others have really tried to stand up to. Uh, uh, the, the president, the former president. No. Well, maybe. Them too. No, they Generally, have not. They have not. So quickly. Have, can I? Yeah, go ahead, Henry. Go ahead, Henry. Well, but uh, I, I think, it, and they have tried, although they have worked the, on fold, the other side. They fold too. every time, yeah. Henry. Yeah. They yeah. fold every but, time. But, but that's due to pressure. And, you know, you, you, you are, it's a stimulus. Wherever the pressure is most, you move in that direction, opposite well, direction. Then, and, I mean, uh, that's depressing. We, They're supposed to be leaders who can make decisions based yeah. on the facts I know. and not based on this ridiculous, these ridiculous lies. In some ways, the most discouraging thing about the whole Trump years has been the fact that so many people who normally would be able to stand up have caved into him. I mean, there's people he's insulted and really you know, just said the most horrible things about. Mike Take Pence, for, for God's sake. You know, Mike Pence. Yeah, and that's another one. Mike Pence. Mike Pence is another indication. I, well, yeah. and, and there are others uh, who have done the same thing. Uh, Nikki Haley and, and others. Uh, but Look what it happened. hasn't worked but, successfully. Well, here's, here's, but, uh, here's a piece that came out of Texas, uh, on, and it, it's kind of a related uh, note, or, or at least it's... Uh, uh, adjacent to the conversation we're having. Alan West, the chair of the Texas Republican Party, announced his resignation on Friday as he teased a potential run for statewide office. He will remain chairman until his replacement is picked on July 11th, the Texas GOP said in a statement. It has been my distinct honor to serve as chairman of the Republican Party of Texas. I pray Godspeed for this governing body, said West, who submitted his irrevocable resignation Friday morning. The Texas GOP said West will take this opportunity to prayerfully reflect on a new chapter in his political career. West, a one-term Florida congressman and retired Army lieutenant colonel, was first elected Texas GOP chair last year as a strong supporter of then-President Donald Trump and critic of Texas's coronavirus restrictions. The Texas GOP lauded West for his tireless effort to make gains on our legislative priorities such as constitutional carry, the heartbeat bill, and election integrity. Er, yeah. But West's time as GOP chair, which was set to expire in a couple months, was marked by con uh, controversy as he broke the norms of the role 
to criticize Texas Governor Greg Abbott and fellow Texas Republicans rather than work to unite the party. In interviews after the 2020 presidential election, West falsely suggested that Texas could secede from the United States and become an independent country. He also promoted Trump's debunked claims of widespread fraud in the 2020 election. The question is, will Alan West's views play as well in a political campaign as they have on social media and cable TV? Yeah. I don't know. But he's been uh, very diligent, well-respected representative in the Republican Party since I can remember. He's always been there, and he always seemed to have a good good presentation about himself. He doesn't alienate people well, but he supports points that are positive uh, and reflect the, uh, the vision of the Republican Party. So how that translates once it gets into office, I'm not sure. And Texas is a real big state, and it's uh, and it has money and power and electors. So we can do a lot of things that other states can't do. Well, it'll be interesting. Again, on top of that, Texas is getting a little more purple than it had been. I mean, it's clearly a red state, but uh, it's showing some shift as as new people move into the state. So the the future may be a bit different for Texas as well. Well, but but what people need to be talking about is moving back toward the middle because we are in dire danger of class as as a republic. That's my favorite thing that you've said today on the show, Henry. I really, you know, my heart my heart craves that kind of thinking right now. You know, it's interesting. I talked to uh, a guy who was, uh, um, oh, whatever the chief of staff is to a congressman, and we were talking about political campaigns, and um, and I said something about will people ever get back to the middle? And he says, the people are already there. Yes, they are. It's Some getting of the, the polls are showing that, it's, yeah. It's getting the politicos who are reluctant to walk back positions they've taken. Right. He said, that's and, the hard part. Yep. So how, how do we get that to happen? Uh, I think what's happening is by uh, doing voter suppression, those people that don't want to walk back their positions are making it more possible to get reelected, even if the majority seems to be leaning in a different direction. You know what I mean? You know, in addition to the gerrymandering issue, the other one is social media. I mean, if you are an ext- a person on the extreme right or left, uh, and you can shout louder than anybody else, you get more attention, and you become a bit of a national star, even though the folks who are doing the real work of Congress or similar bodies often get ignored. So there's there's also the fact that, as I say, the, the loudest voice gets the most attention and may not be the most uh, sensible voice. Right. Well, we have another... You know, we have another... Go ahead, Henry, very quickly, because we have a break in about 30 well, seconds. I, I think uh, the discussion over race 
and gender and um, uh, equity and equality has confused the American person. They don't know how to define this anymore, and they're afraid to talk about it. And and they have always had a coherent voice when they talked about these things in the past. But everything yeah. else now is compounded, and people are so All right. don't want to. We got a break uh, there. We'll okay. be we'll be back. This is the unknown comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other, Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Vi from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses 
and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. The uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Good. Okay, I'm back on. Well, it's that time again on uh, the Tom Sumner Program's uh, weekly roundtable armchair politics when we wrap things up in the final segment with the uh, X-Files, those weird and wacky stories that seem hard to believe but are in fact true. Um, We start out with a see-through pool set 115 feet in the air between two London skyscrapers is definitely making a big splash online, but Twitter users found a way to throw cold water on it. The sky pool at the Embassy Gardens Apartments is the world's largest floating acrylic pool, 82 feet long, 46 of which are suspended in mid-air. Residents can swim from one side to the other and see the street 10 stories below. The sky pool was officially open to residents uh, earlier this month, but it really made waves on Twitter Tuesday morning after the BBC posted video of it. While many people thought the sky pool was awesome, a lot of responses suggested a fear of heights combined with a fear of drowning to the tune of hell no. Uh, (laughs) Would you take a dip in a transparent pool suspended 10 stories above the ground? Uh, Very cautiously. I don't know about that. Yeah. Great question. Well, here's, here's one. A high school party in Tennessee, a high school pool party, in Tennessee last weekend got a lot wilder after a crew of black bears showed up. The swim party had a few visitors, seven bears. Um, We were safely outside the pool area. The video shows the bears exploring an outdoor area at Chalet Village in Gatlinburg. They splash around in three different pools stroll across the adjacent tennis court and at one point two of them engage in a bit of rough housing. Uh, Local news channel WBIR noted that those bears obviously didn't read the pool rules about not horsing around. 
Johnson noted on YouTube that black bears are common in the Great Smoky Mountains and urged humans to be respectful, keep your distance, and don't feed them. When the weather starts getting hotter, bears are often drawn to pools. These party-crashing animals might have drawn inspiration from a particularly fun-loving bear who went viral in 2018 after nabbing a man's margarita, chilling in his unheated jacuzzi, and then passing out for a nap. If a beer or anyone else nabs a margarita and chills in a jacuzzi, isn't a nap really a siesta? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah. uh, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Well, a 17-year-old California girl was caught on video shoving a large bear off her fence after the animal took a swipe at her dogs. The black bear had been walking with two uh, cubs atop a fence at the home in Bradbury, east of Los Angeles, and in the foothills of the San Gabriel Mountains. Footage from the yard showed the family's four dogs running out to yap at the bears. Although the cubs bolted and Mama Bear turned to follow, she also began to swipe at the dogs below. That's when Morinico ran out. I go over to the bear, I look it in the eyes, and the first thing I think to do is push it. Push a bear, she said in a TikTok video. And to be honest, I don't think I pushed her that hard. I just pushed her enough to make her lose her balance. The bear fell off the fence and Marinico grabbed the pup and bolted. It worked out, but it also could have gone badly wrong for the youth, something she knows. Do not push bears, she told KTLA. Uh, don't do what I did. You might not have the same outcome. Marinico sprained a finger and banged her knee during the encounter. What are the chances of getting away with shoving a bear? Um, probably probably not very good. I, would, I wouldn't want to gamble on it. Yeah, she was very lucky. And they can outrun you guys. They can move uh, 30 to 40 yeah. miles an hour. Yeah. yeah. So, don't yeah. try it. The dog was lucky to have that kind of an owner. <laughs> really? Boy, what guts. Yeah, I... I I, th I think maybe I would have picked up a a pool net or something. <laughs> yeah, that might, might have worked a little, a little safer. Well, Howard Simon recently sent the sent an album along with a letter to Heights Libraries, apologizing for his tardiness, according to a news release from the library system outside Cleveland. Simon checked out Bob Dylan's self-portrait album in 1973 as an eighth grader at University Heights Middle School. Simon, now 73, says he found it between two other Dylan albums in his personal vinyl collection. His letter says the album cover is a little battered after traveling with him from University Heights to San Francisco with various stops in between, but the library says the records themselves remain in great shape. Simon also sent the library a $175 replacement fee for self-portrait along with an album he recorded, Western Reserve, for possible inclusion in the library's collection. The library bore no hard feelings or sense that Simon wasted their precious time, essentially telling him in the press release, 
don't think twice. It's all right. All right. <laughs> do you think si- yeah. Do you think Simon signed yeah. his letter, Mister Tambourine Man? <laughs> oh, you're right. Oh. oh wow, that's funny. Well, that wraps it up for uh, today's edition of uh, Armchair Politics and the X Files. But we have. Uh, Oh, we've got about just just under three minutes left. If anybody has any final thoughts they uh, they want to share, I have one real quickly. Ahead, if I could get mine, um, Jan is my choice today as an American who is willing to compromise with the critics, <laughs> and uh, as uh, we hope uh, to move people more toward the, the center where we yes. can. Save our republic because yes, we're I in agree. dire yeah. danger. And she does this. I say this because uh, without uh, berating or criticizing my views, but uh, rationalizing in such a way that she tries to convince me that there's a better way. Uh, I take oh, uh, um, acceptance to her belief and dignity oh, wow. and respect. It is Thank the stuff that so makes the framers of the Constitution yeah. uh, great leaders. Which again I, gets back to your question, your Tom, your fundamental question: that could Americans today um, pass the Bill of Rights? Yeah, <laughs> and that's how you opened up the show. And yeah, yeah. kind of tie it all together. Yeah, that's that's like, full circle. Thank you, Dan. I'll second, I'll, I'll second that, Henry. I agree with that <laughs> entirely. Oh yeah, well, Thank you. boy. Uh, I appreciate the respect of this group that continually informs and inspires me. Every time I talk with you guys, I feel really lucky, and it gives me hope that uh, we're not completely going down the chute. You know, uh, it feels like there is hope for good-thinking, right-thinking people who care about the country and about the people of the country to uh, hang in there. Well, and I, I like to think that uh, that this forum provides an opportunity to challenge our preconceived notions through right. very civilized discussion and and hopefully in in kind of a hat tip to my guest in the first hour uh, former ag secretary Dan Glickman uh, talking about his book laughing at myself that that we can do it in a way that that makes these discussions not just more pleasant but more fun and and that they're right. good humored. Yeah. And I'll fall back on a phrase you've used before, Tom. This is not rant radio. I mean that that's that's the big difference. There's so much of that right. out there. That is right. That's right. What a relief. Well, I want to say thanks to all three of you and and remind you that we do not have a live edition of Armchair Politics next week. It's recorded. It does include uh, Jan joining the roundtable. It's a show from April. Uh, Chris Douglas is in the uh, in the first hour. He's a regular visitor to the show, and it just happened to be one he was uh, he was in. That'll that'll be here next week. But I want to say thanks to all the people who participate in Armchair P- Politics, from the listeners to the pundits themselves, our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Um, and, have and, a good evening. And it's always fun day, with you. And it's bye. always Take fun care, with Jan. Jan uh, Thank you. With Take Jan care, Nelson. Bye, Jan. Yeah, bye. Anyway, that's Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room, but I'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Tom Sumner program. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner program.
program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.